Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. going to get into something a little different so this is still shad's introductory thing but we're going to do some of the early matches in um the ray versus psychosis um feud from the mid 90s that kind of toured the world mm-hmm. and uh so uh, i have to say coming out of this i have to say if if you were to if you were to like on paper, build an opponent for Rey Mysterio with no context to anything existing. Like I think Psychosis would be the person that you came up with. Yeah, um, Psychosis is really, really good for it because because we kind of talked about that very thing earlier. He's big enough that it allows Ray to bounce off of him, or it allows him to uh, post oh, yeah. off. But it's also psychosis is also fast and able enough to keep up with him and do stuff that, you know, keeps him in contention. So it's a, um, you know, it's psychosis is really good for it. And, um, you know, they just match up really excellently. Yeah, so our first match for this is from 94, where Ray is like 19 in this. So it's um, El Hio del Santo, Octagon, and Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Blue Panther, um, Fuerza Guerrera, and um, Psychosis. Which, it's really kind of weird seeing Blue Panther on the Rudo side, I have to say. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not familiar with him, but... So this is kind of... So the first fall is kind of like the longest fall, and there's a lot of like standing off same guys working with each other um octagon and fuerza really don't have their working boots on for this so they just kind of lay on the outside a lot so a few things that happened over the course of this is um well first of all at least in the version we saw on youtube it had ray's old music which i had forgotten all about um but the early first fall they did to showcase the new guy. They did this. The, the early first fall was to showcase that, hey, Ray's got credibility amongst everybody else in this match. He's the new guy, but he's got the credibility. So we want him to, to get the early first fall. And, um, you know, it's they do a great job with it. I had forgotten how many Rana Hercaranas that Ray used to do. Yeah. Uh which feeds into something that um, we had been uh, messaging about earlier in that Brad had mentioned how many um, how guys in Lucha seem to have such longer careers. And you got me thinking about this. I wasn't looking for it in particular, but, you know, like Ray does so many Ranas in this and so many times when the guys would take it, they weren't just cutting a front bump and landing solid. They would roll with it or Ray doing an arm drag was not just like a up and over and boom, like they'd take it and they'd you'd roll with it. Or psychosis had this thing where he keep going to the outside to be like, I've got to get away from him. I've got to get away. No, like this is not, you know, he'd basically take a powder in order to try and, and get some distance and think and catch his breath and stuff. And they don't whiplash guys when they do like moves either. Like if they plant a guy on his back, they just like they plant him flat on his back. They don't like whiplash him like a spine buster or anything. Yeah, you don't see that so much. Um, but in the course of this, you know, Ray's doing a lot of good stuff. Psychosis is so good with the heel move set he has. Like the early section of it is basically just brain psychosis. 
And what, uh, I, what I like about this, though, is there's a lot of attention to detail here. So you have, like, El Hijo del Santo and, like, Blue Panther will go in there and do mat work. And they're like, hey, why don't we just mm-hmm. let the kids, like, let's let the let's let the young bucks, like, do, like, run a bit. And then, you know, eh, we can bully one of them when they wear themselves out. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of little touches in there. Or even, like, yeah. for the second fall. Like, I love the second fall because it's like, hey, raise the small guy. Let's go let's go beat on him and like get an easy pin oh, yeah. out of it. They just beat the living piss out of him. They, they took the little rookie and just beat the crap out of him. And blue Panther, like one hand, like press slams him, which I loved. Oh, mm-hmm. I saw that. That was actually really impressive. I mean, Ray was like, he's also obviously like bolt up in the, the decade since, but like he, he yeah. was much smaller then, but like, yeah, that was really actually very, like visually is quite impressive. But there's there, like the attention to detail in that I really like. Mm-hmm. And um, it, oh, go ahead. Oh, Chad. I'm looking at I'm looking at the wrong page. Sorry, trio's page. So there is um, the first fall. The setup was that step up Rana thing they did, which I thought was really great. Um, I thought that was a really cool set. And then at the end, uh, I super appreciated how good the vets were to keep things moving and engaged because like that finish was not, it was not a, like a contemporary finish like you might see, but it was really good. It was dynamic. There was lots of, you know, movement and that sort of thing, but it also looked an awful lot like the vets were looking around assessing, okay, here's what we're doing or here's where we are. Okay. We'll do this. And and kind of it looked I might be wrong, but it looked to me like they were really directing traffic to have that whole ending come together. Yeah. And like I said, they're doing stuff like if like psychosis would tag in, Santo would be like, eh, you know, like, come on, young guy, like you go. You go do this. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll mat work with um, Blue Panther. Or, you know, if you get psychosis down, I'll come in and. Yeah. And work them like they did. They'd smartly matched up with each other. Right, right, right. Like there was always thought into who was in there with who. And okay, so another thing that kind of that that from our discussion about the longevity of guys in Lucha was the fact that uh, Brad brought up that they seem to do more multi-man matches, and. Brad, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you told me that it is more common to see big names doing multi-man stuff than single stuff in a lot of cases. Yeah, is, I... Lucha like singles matches are fairly rareish. So you have an opportunity to bow out. You have an opportunity to be like, okay, uh, we've done all this. But now we're going to we're going to not, you know, or, you know, hey, we've been doing all this sort of stuff. Hey, I'm getting a break now or, or hey, hey, I tweaked my back last night. Like, let's get on the floor and just brawl for our part of it. Yeah. So it struck me that and I've got a very pretentious way of having it written out, but by having this. In the culture of Lucha. They have more focus on doing multi and tag stuff, multi-man and tag stuff, which seems to me that it will lend itself to more well-thought-out tropes being used in these multi-matches as opposed to – because, I mean, for a big straight – you know, North America, lot, lot lot of single stuff so there's lots of tropes for singles wrestling but they don't seem as thought out or explored in in tag wrestling unless it's it's um particular people and so you have these well thought out tropes that um encourage you know these guys hey we know what we're doing here hey it and tropes are not bad. Tropes are not cliches. But it's like, okay, hey, we're doing this spot now. We're going to go into this stuff. It just seems to me that their culture has lent itself more to 
that as opposed to everything has to be a singles match. That's just got to be easier on everybody. And honestly, it's probably more fun for the guys in the match, too. I think so. I mean, Japan does a lot, too. If it's not a big show, like most of the guys are working Maltese. Yeah, that's uh, that's common in Japan. Like they all, especially like the house shows. And Brad, yeah. I think you you mentioned this. Like definitely like off offline, you mentioned it. But yeah, like they they work like multi mans. It's a good way for to not you know have guys like completely burn out or injure themselves. Well, you, like they you, can work. Yeah, if you watch like a mm-hmm. Corican Hall like New Japan house show on New Japan World, like they're not even going full like tilt. They come in, they do their spots. <laughs> They sell a little bit and maybe they'll do like an angle afterwards, but like it's not. It's like, you know, if you're Okada, you're going to team up with like the same couple of guys in three and, you know, in, in six and eight man tags like for a week and then you'll you'll get to your big show in another week and that'll be your singles match for the month and you'll go back to working tags with your next like program. But it does it does make a lot of sense because like okay let, let, let's use the Japan model okay are you gonna work like a six man or an eight man tag or a ten let's man elimination match which they like yeah to do too. let's say it's gonna be like twelve to fifteen minutes like you're probably gonna work like maybe three minutes that entire match and it's like you're not gonna burn yourself out you'll do like some big spots or whatever uh, maybe like you're right that maybe they'll do an angle or something like that. And that saves you from when you're doing like your big show, one of your big shows, and you're going to do like a 30 minute match or something like that. It's like, yeah, like that's that makes a lot more sense. So uh, comparing it to Lucha, uh, it's not quite the same, but it's also it's it's kind of like the same where it's like you're doing you're probably doing a lot a little more in Lucha because you're doing more acrobatic stuff. But it's also like if you're going to do like a 15, let's say 20 minutes, like you do like a 20 minute match with uh, a trios match then it's like okay well even in a 20 minute match like you're probably not doing like you're not doing 20 minutes of action maybe you're doing like five because maybe it's like you're doing like three or four in ring and then like some outside stuff and whatever like that you're you're probably brawling through a fall if you're not involved like then you might come in and bump a couple times for the finish then you you know like that the way they work they bump a lot less yeah, you can you can brawl without taking any serious bumps. I mean, uh, I everyone loves him. I love him. Bret Hart at post stroke came back to the WWE like uh, in early like 2010, 2011, and worked a program where he like I think he won like the United States champion. He won like a, a championship when it's like he couldn't bump, like he could barely he could brawl. It's about it. There's mm-hmm. there's um. There's fan cam of a house show he did where he actually did some of his spots on. Um, who did he do them on? Did he do them on Vince? He had a program with Vince, maybe. Well, there's there's a there's a house show like you have to get the the that that was never released where he does like his like the the fists drop off the middle rope and stuff. Mm. Let me see. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I just lost my place. What we're talking about? Oh, bumping. I also mm-hmm. think though it it helps though that they get to choose what they do. Mm-hmm. Because like that like here you'll see. I think you know if you can if you can back bump. Um. You know if you can bump off your hip, and you know maybe prat fall a bit instead of like a flat bump every time. I think it helps. I can also tell you from being in, uh, you know, all the stuff that I had done. One of the things that I had learned or that I had experienced was in times when we would have big multi-man matches, like like you had a four-corner tag match, you know, except for the, the occasion where you have the... The one baby face you're trying to get over, so he's in there just getting the hell beat out of him the entire time. Um, you have time to be on the apron, consider what you're going to do, who you want to line it up with. It's like, okay, all right, when he rolls in, I'm going to lean over, tag myself in. I'm going to hit a couple of quick spots, and then we'll let him get to a place where he can tag out. I'll take some from somebody else, and we can like swap it. It's much easier to keep your energy up. It's much easier 
to swap in and out. And it's much easier to do the really cool stuff you want to do because you don't have to do any of the carpentry work to build it together. If I got in the ring and went in there and hit, you know, I got in the ring after the guy I'm feuding with, uh, you know, I blind tag the guy he's against. He comes off the ropes. I hit my back elbow. He comes up. I do my hip toss, scoop slam, Russian leg sweep combo. He comes back up, you know, do my big my flying shoulder tackle and he rolls to the corner and tags himself out look i've done a grand total of five moves but i came in after the guy i was feuding with i came in did a bunch of stuff that i know i can or not even a bunch of stuff i did five moves i know i could do well and then it looked great i looked you know fiery and 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 fun to watch and then I bump a little bit and tag off to somebody else. Like it is way the hell easier <laughs> to do. And um, I'll be honest with you. If that had been more prevalent when I was working, then my neck probably would not have gotten screwed up the way it did. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. So do you want to move on to the the ninety? Well, there's two ninety five matches. So this is yeah. the triple A, Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis like singles match, or mono y mono as they would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I really dug this match. Uh, yeah, this match is really good. I was amused by Ray having Tommy Oliver in his corner for this match. Um, <laughs> oh, um. Oh, Tigre, Tigre Blanco. Yeah, he had the White Ranger in his corner for yeah, this. Yeah, I know. Huh. I, he's it's changed just... his look a lot over the years. Um, but uh, I, I was amused by that. Uh, also, Ray having olive drab gear was not what I was used to. Um, but that's okay. I think he wore that in WCW a couple times. He may have, but like I said, I was just not used to it, so. Eh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was a little different, but I, I, it looked more like his WCW ring gear too, which he hasn't done in a long time. That's and true. I, and I honestly like his more simplistic gear than like the crazy stuff he does now. I understand why he does well, at least for his gear, because he has been doing, um. He's been doing the loose-legged pants kind of thing a lot more than the tights like he was doing at this point. Number one, I figure it's because you can you know, hide knee braces underneath it. But for me, it's just way more comfortable because you get better airflow and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, His New Japan mask is still my favorite. I would need to go look that one up and, I'll and send it to you. He did it. like He had like a half Mysterio mask and then the other half was like the New Japan lion. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm sending it right now. Okay. That's one of, one of my favorite masks he did. Uh, that's yeah, that's one of the best. Yeah, that is did. nice. That is that does look really. I. Good. So, I will. I'll just briefly mention this. Like there are people who mention this on like wrestling Twitter a lot, and uh, I'm sorry to say, like I kind of agree with them. Like there are people who, because because the first the, the all in before AEW happened, yeah. Uh, like Ray actually had a match on that all in. Yeah, yeah I don't remember who and he was supposed to wrestle. Uh, I have to look up the card. But people who people argue that it's like oh, because he did resign with WWE mainly because like he wanted Dominic, his son Dominic Mysterio too. With WWE, and I mean, I guess you could say like it worked out for him in the sense that Dominic's like over. Like I still, I, I, we could spend some time debating. Uh, I don't know the values of Dom of Dominic Mysterio. I don't know if it's sustainable. Is my thing with it? Yeah, I know we could we could absolutely debate uh, like the, the values of Dominic Mysterio, but I mean Dominic Mysterio for the moment, at least in 2023, is is over of sense and may and i he's he has a lot of heat and i don't think it's like x-pack heat where they want him to go away but Mm-mm. 
point is like there are people who argue that Ray signed with WWE uh, for Dominic when he could be like in AEW or elsewhere, like having bangers matches. And I kind of agree, but oh, he did actually wrestle uh, it all in. Yeah, he did. I need to it look. It was um, Kota Bushi and the Bucks versus Bandito, Ray Phoenix, and Ray Mysterio in the main event. Oh, okay. That was the <sighs> the main event that got chopped down because things went long. Yeah, because I think Skrull and Okada went way too long. And the it went pain... twenty six minutes. So yeah. like, that's, un- that's unnecessary. Who and, wants to and... see Marty Skrull wrestle that long, even before he was a pedo? Fucking yeah. nonce. Like, no one and, wants to see him 26 minutes against Okada. Yeah. Well, and here's the other amusing thing. You bring up him being a, you know, what a, a, whatever term you want to use. The other thing that took up entirely too much time was the dick druids. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, if you want to talk about a worse sexual predator. Right. Yeah. You know, it makes me appreciate Jerry Lawler all the more that when he wrestled Joey Ryan, he had a he shot a fireball out of his crown right into his dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this match is psychosis is actually I thought a pretty amusing dick over the course of it. Um, but this match also had a, a great thing is that you know in not doing holds they weren't laying down and doing them this was a place where they had like they had a a two-minute armbar spot that was fun and dynamic and moving it was not a like okay i've got the armbar we're gonna (sighs) sit here for a minute um and uh it, it was nice to see. Like, they did some really good stuff. Um, it This, to me, felt like a proto-Nitro Cruiserweight match in the best way. Like, this this is... It's like those things were built off the shoulders of this, if that makes sense. It's like they... What I, what I like to liken it to is the WCW style is just this with a lot of, like, the psychology cut out. And Americanized to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Well, yeah, because they didn't have the time to psychology the same way. Yeah, and they played the, the Rocky music at the end of this, by the way. When he won. <laughs> oh, and I didn't realize, I didn't realize until they said his name, but that was Hoovy in in um, Psychosis's yeah. corner. Yeah. And he totally. Oh man, that was a great spot. Like Hoovy got destroyed on that dive too. Yeah. That um mm-hmm. that psychos like Ray, so he was trying to like hold Mysterio for a dive and Ray like dived out of the way and Psychosis just destroyed him. Mm-hmm. It was glorious. Yeah, it, this is fun to watch. It's good, you know. It's well paced. Yeah, pacing's good. Like, it's. I think this would challenge what you think lucha is where if you think it's just like spot fest this is very i'd actually say this is like methodical in its pace in a lot of points mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also uh, I, I, I have a question oh go ahead uh on on youtube which where we watch this like it's listed like as five star like was it five star rating like the wrestling observer or probably i mean i I feel like I would disagree with that, but this was a good match. I don't think um, I felt the right. I don't know if. I... Mm-hmm. So the problem is, in '95, I might have star- five started. Mm-hmm. But like, it's hard, and it's hard in context of today to mm-hmm. to do that. Let me see. I'm seeing if he has a observer. Five star. He got rookie of the year in '92, most outstanding wrestler in '96. They don't have his. Okay, hold on. Go ahead and talk. I they don't they don't list when guys get five star matches from Meltzer anymore because Wiki's useless. Yeah, it, okay, I feel like I would disagree with. I feel like I would disagree with five stars. But it was a good match, and I felt uh, the right guy went over, and I did think that. 
certainly by like the end. Uh, it was it was a, the last fall. I liked was, uh, um, I liked Bash at the Beach mm-hmm. better. We, we didn't review that, and I kind of liked. I I forgot to watch it for this, but I've seen it in the past. I kind of like one of the ECW matches better than this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, um, that's just my personal biased opinions. I I try to regard matches like the ratings for when they took place, you know, cause like you said, in 95, this would have been cutting edge stuff. Now it's not, but I would still like to consider it for when it happened. Yeah. Dave it, gave it five stars. It, it seems to me, um, that it is folly to rate a match against an era it was not in you know it, it it seems to me that matches should be rated by the era in which they took place and then if it was you know an incredibly transcendent match yes then you go and hold it up against things of other eras but that's not where you start from and i think i think i mean i might not say it's five star matches but it's like four and a half stars at worst in my opinion like it's it's an excellent match yeah, it's uh, it's a good match. I don't I have to rewatch this because I don't know if I would even give it four and a half, but uh, I would not complain about four. It's like it's a, it's a really solid match. Yeah, I agree. So then our next one is um, is it the November to remember match? It's ECW. Uh, it is ten seventeen ninety five. OK, I do not remember if that's what if that's like maybe guilty as charged or it's not what because i couldn't find the mexican death match which really pissed me off i could not find that right. on youtube mm-hmm. um which i wanted to watch but um there's also the su- oh i think the super j cup match is better than the triple a match too it might be because that's the one that um chris jericho and lance storm watched that was their introduction to Rey mysterio and then um in Jericho's book, he said they kept looking at each other going, that's not possible, like, over and over through the course of the match. Because the thing is, like, too, like, Psychosis is really good at not, like, Psychosis, like, entire act is to make Ray shine. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't overshadow him in any regards. So, this match, the ECW match, is a two out of three falls. And this is the one where the early first fall showcases Ray. Psychosis has a really good heel move set. The thing that I took away from this, and it would be from a, um, it would be from the point of view of you know the veteran, is it seemed to me, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed to me that Psychosis was the one doing the doing the psychology work here, which was giving Ray the opportunity to do cool stuff. Like that's all Ray really had to do was when he had an opening, do cool stuff. That's not a bad thing, but here he is trying to do all the, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pin him down. I'm going to piss people off. And that's like, all right, Ray here, hop up there, do one of those, you know, tilt twirl arm drags or something and then i'm gonna have to knock you back down they debuted actually hold on i'm looking so ray debuted so he only debuted like six months before ray did because they both debuted psychosis yeah psychosis debuted in march of 89 and then ray hold on gotta find his name again ray debuted in april of 89 so only a month apart huh he probably worked more though because ray was like 16 when he debuted yeah if that's the case okay if my assumptions are correct they may not be i admit that but if it is the case then that increases my respect for psychosis even more because psychosis would have been he'd have been 18 when he debuted no 17 he debuted at 17 so he probably worked a more full-time schedule and Ray was probably doing like stuff with his dad for like a couple years before he really yeah. dug in. 
Yeah, that would make sense. Um, Psychosis is just a really solid worker. Like, that's what I took away from these matches is, like, Psychosis is, like, he's kind of like the Lucha Libre version of Brad Armstrong in a lot of ways. Hmm. Just, like, this consummate, like, amazing, like, hand in the ring that you you probably wouldn't push to the top, but, like, will have a good match with anyone, knows his job, and, like, really can make guys look good. Yeah, uh, I can get behind that. That's not a bad comparison, but I would argue that Psychosis uh, and his massless version, Nicho, so Nicho El Millionaire. Yeah, Millionaire. Uh, it, uh, much more charismatic than Brad Armstrong. <laughs> I, I like Brad Armstrong, I really do, but that's the that's a testament to Brad Armstrong. Like he was great worker, not very charismatic. But um, watching the CCW match. It's uh, it's it's mostly just a sprint, like they're just they're really working fast and everything like that. But watching it, the thing that we obviously now have like twenty five plus years in hindsight looking at this because this is a October nineteen ninety five match. Watching this, I'm like, this probably blew people's minds back in the day. Like if they weren't like Lucha fans mm-hmm. and they saw them in like this indie um, American promotion. They're probably like, oh my god, it's like amazing. So it's to me, it was not surprising that not that long after this, they they kind of both got jobs with uh, a large one of the two big companies, i.e. in this case WCW. But I'm not surprised they got jobs there because like they they really like made a big impression. Um, things are different nowadays. Like nowadays, like you can see like two lucha guys tearing it up and like. A GCW show and it's like you not that they won't get signed but it's like it's more commonplace but um you know, you back- know the problem with Lucha now is is like these guys come over and like up here and they're like really popular here and then people want to go watch them in AAA and AAA doesn't push them <laughs> uh, I, I so again I, I kind of said like I I am I'm at a lucha, but I still, again, I'm just a wrestling nerd that I follow a lot of stuff. But just from back in the day, it's like I have always been more of a triple A. I was a not fan. I'm no, more I of like a like C- AAA. I'm more of a CMLL fan, and and that um that goes back to like when CMLL like I felt has always had like better matches, better workers. Like triple A has had moments where they're like really popular, and they have had like. In, the, in more recent years, they've had like pretty good workers, and then, like uh, Kenny Omega is like off again, but yeah, I feel like they've fallen off. And uh, aren't they being booked by Conan? Yes, but who like, I don't, I don't have many good things to say about Conan just in general. My problem with AAA is, and I don't know if this is what you're gonna say, but like AAA can't get out of its own way. Like they always like you will give them a chance because they finally get some mix of talent you're interested in. And then you'll hmm. watch their big show and they'll just like you'll get the the pecan, the B- Pagano versus like Chessman match where you're just like, what the hell am I watching? Yeah, <laughs> like they always they always trip over their own dick no matter what. I, I have like a soft spot for some guys like uh, I, I oddly like Psycho Clown, even though he's not like I mean, if, if, if you're going to like choose between like a Kingo Ihudel Vikingo or Psycho Clown, it's like you're gonna pick Vikingo. Yeah. Like you're not. But I mean, I, I kind of like some guys there, but it's also like I, I don't even know if I could compare like CMLL and AAA to like WWE, AEW. It's kind. Or back in the day, like WWE, WCW. But it's like, to like, me like it'd be more like WWE versus the NWA, like with the more traditional like CMLL promotion and the very sports entertainment heavy, like triple a. Yeah. Triple a has always been to me. It's more like sports entertainment where if you're like more of a work rate guy, like it's CMLL. And yeah, because I think you get like, you get the weird stuff. mm -hmm. You get like the, the mixed matches with the women and the minis and like the guys wrestling with their mini version. And like, they have that, that mixed tag, which is like four one mini and one like regular size wrestler. Yeah. Like there's just we- weird stuff. And um, 
like, and I think truly, and this is not their fault. Like it was a horrible accident, but I don't think they've ever quite recovered from El Hio del Perro Aguayo dying in the ring. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like that seemed to halt like all of their momentum. Of yeah. To stand over here. And, um, yeah. Cause he was like, I think if I was, which is really sad. Like if I would have built, uh, if I would have pushed into America, like as a Lucha promotion, he would have been like my top heel. He, um, he unfortunately died, uh, well, years ago at this point, it's been like probably close to a decade. Yeah. yeah, it's been close to a decade. Um, so he kind of died before the resurgence, and he's probably like the same age as I am. So he he would have been like in his early forties, like 35. in the modern day. Yeah, but I mean, if he if he like had survived, like he had been like more my he would have been like my age. But I mean, I feel like if he had survived, um. You, I think, like for a company like AEW, like it would not have been abnormal for like when AEW started, like they would have Tony Khan would probably try to snatch him up. Because I mean, they get he has Lucha Brothers, he's obviously acquired uh, Roosh and some other people, but it's like you, there are people who who believe, and I would be surprised if this happens that like someone like Vikingo might sign with AEW, like when it's all said and done, like relatively soon. But I think that Para Wyatt Jr. would probably like sign with a company like AEW, and like he, would, people would really be like raving about him. Like he was, he was really good. It's really unfortunate what happened. It, it's one of those freak accidents. Like that's that's the best thing about wrestling is like it's not real, but these sort of like really lethal accidents happen every now and again. Yeah, and I mean they also, I mean remember I did, I had forgotten La Parca Jr. No, it was just La Parca, isn't it? Um, yeah, because because the original is still L.A. Park, yeah, out of I, respect. I forgot that La Parca passed away a couple years ago too, because he fell on his head on that dive and never recovered. So I mean, they've had bad luck with that. There are other uh, there are other workers that died. Like, it wasn't a. Uh... I mean, since we talked about him, like, didn't one of the Vianos, I think it was, like, the one who actually worked as Silver King, didn't he die of, like, a heart attack? Silver King? Yeah, Silver King just died a couple years ago. Yeah. Let me look up. Hector Garza, I think... He, did, did Hector Garza commit suicide? No, Hector Garza, that's just actually a sad story. Like, well, wasn't Hector, was it the Hector Garza we know, wasn't he, like, a junior, or was he... I'm, like... I don't remember. I'm looking up. So but he right he now. had cancer. Like, uh, that was that was a sad one because like he was actually like getting really popular in, in TNA, and it was gonna get like a big push, and then he got. Well, he had like I think he had like visa issues, but I mean I he, he was got in trouble. I think he got arrested or something, right? Yeah, we uh, we kind of know um, uh, indie worker, uh, Canadian chick. Nicole Matthews, mm-hmm. like yeah. she got she got pot for like she's Canadian. Uh, she got pot for like visa issues, and I think she was like banned from like United States for like two years, five, five years, years, which is uh, well, however long she got banned. But that's I think that's Indic. She uh, I believe yeah. she appeared in like AEW. Yeah, she what she did was um, was she working on she a worked, tourist visa? She came, no, she came. I well, she either. Two stories I heard was either it was the tourist visa or she came in on a working visa, I think, when she came in for WWE. And as she was driving home, she worked some indies in, like, the Northwest that weren't, like, mm-hmm. agreed to on the visa. And that's how she got popped. Oh, okay. So she either worked, like, inappropriate dates on the visa or she had a tourist visa. But I think it was – I think – because, remember, it was right after the May Young Classic. So I think she worked dates she shouldn't have on the – WWE visa. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I just looked it up. Hector Garza. I mean, he was set to get like a big push in TNA and was actually like getting really popular. I mean, he was obviously way back in the day. He was with the uh, WCW. Oh, he had lung cancer. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he was actually set to wrestle Scott Hall in 2005 in TNA. 
And I, I had always heard rumors that he was going to get like a big push, like going to be like a major star, going to be a crossover star. Um, then got popped for steroids. He got popped for steroids that were legal to use in Mexico. Um, but I guess we're not legal in the United States, which it's like, I know that's like a fine line. It's a, kind of like walking a tightrope legally, but it's like, he's a Mexican luchador. He's a Mexican national. Like he's using products that were legal in his state, or not in his state, like in his country. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, him, he claimed like, oh, I didn't know they were legal. It's like, eh, I don't know if I believe that. I kind of like cynical that way, but same time it's like it's hard to fault a guy for like oh it's legal where i'm from and where i usually am uh to then be like okay you can't use it it's one thing to be okay you could give him like a kind of like a slap in the wrist no offense but you could be like okay you, you can use this where you're from you can't use this here don't do it again but he effectively got banned from coming into america for years it effectively ended his united states career at least for like a time but i mean he apparently got sick in 2012 with lung cancer and he died within like a year of getting diagnosed so that was the end of him which is sad because like he he i actually thought he was a good worker and he again he could have been crossover appeal like there's we kind of talked about that here but like there's a lot of guys from different areas that you know, obviously kind of crossover up here right now in AEW, you know, you have guys like Takashita from Japan. Like he could have huge crossover up here. Like he's a guy who gives me great Muda, Keiji Muda vibes. Um, and there are tons of like actual like uh, Mexican luchadors who I think could really cross over into America. And obviously you're signed with AEW could be big stars. I mean, Lucha Brothers have been around a while, so I'm not even going to talk about them, but I'm talking like guys like Roosh, like he could be, they, they have him posed like he could potentially be like a huge star in AEW. Do you want to hear what Steve Williams got arrested for having in his possession in 1988 in Japan? Marijuana? Oh, no. Okay, what? So three grams of Coke, 22 grams of pot, <laughs> two grams oh. of mushrooms, assorted barbiturates, 240 steroid tablets, and 28 milliliters of injectable steroids. Wow. Mm. That is a fucking pharmacy. Yes, it <laughs> is. Steve, I, uh uh you doing okay there, bud? I, I always mm. I always have to bring that one up just because it's so absurd. Like how do you even fit like that much into your suitcase, man? Didn't Carrie Von Eric get arrested? That, that for goes a bunch in your carry on. You don't check that one. Who's Didn't, that? Didn't Kerry Von Eric get arrested coming back from Mexico with like an absurd amount of stuff? That sounds right, but I can't swear to it. I'm not. You could basically say that the, the Von Eric boys got arrested with whatever, and I wouldn't believe it. Huh. I mean, his dad was giving him steroids in high school. God. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Oh. So I, I thought this was a good, like, introductory thing to Lucha. So what did you think, Shad, with, like, your... I mean, we've talked about it here and there. Like, did you did you connect with this more than some of the other styles you've watched via the show? It is... How can I best put this? It feels more familiar than uh, some other stuff we've watched. It feels more... It feels to me like I would have been more if let's say I had I had traveled more than I did. It feels to me like Lucha I would have been more comfortable with. Um then I mean barring locale and everything. It it feels to me like I would have been more comfortable with the the Lucha style. The superhero-y morality play straight out of a comic book vibe you kind of get from it. Yeah, and so, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say I would have been bigger than than damn near everybody else on the card. So I could have leaned in on that, really used it, and then had, you know, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I was on the Rudo side, use that to really, like, smother a dude and and you know make it look like i'm slapping him around or if i'm um 
if I was on the Technico side, you know, come in clean house and then you've got to take like the, the, the triple drop kick, or you've got to take the, the, you know, the old schoolyard ones behind you and the other one does something, you fall over it and they stomp on you a little bit to get you out. Like doing that multi-man stuff. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a, um, that would have been a, an easier fit for me. That's cool. So I'm glad I'm glad we finally got to this because it's been on our to-do list forever. We just it's hard I, to get. Brad, I want to add. I, I was listening to an old episode from No Joke almost three years ago. Oh God! And at the beginning of that episode, you, Brad, are like, "Oh, we're gonna try to do uh, Ray versus Psychosis." <laughs> <laughs> it's... And it's like three years later. I always we actually watched some of those. You fashions. know what that is, Matt? Long term booking. La- Long term booking. <laughs> I have like a list of things I want to do, but I mean, people might think you run out of things to talk about on a podcast. And when you get about like 40 or 50 episodes in, you think that. And then you're at like episode, I think almost 280 for us and then you're just like god like i just can't get all the stuff in i like want to do yeah Yeah, there's there's yeah yeah we're we're in the 280s as of this one um there's just plenty of stuff that we could go for and we haven't even touched on stuff like like world of sport and stuff which i wouldn't mind like peering into at some point (laughs) it's just the thing is like the more stuff you do the like yeah the more you review the more stuff you discover is out there or like it's oh, if we, have an interest in if we're gonna do world sport like i demand a big daddy match <laughs> <laughs> or marty uh, jones marty jones everyone we, marty jones. we're gonna have to buy monocles to, to oh yes that. yes yes it, it's easy the 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 surface level stuff it feels like might run out but it's very easy for us to get very granular on some other deeper stuff and deeper too. in and like there's some absurd stuff i never thought we'd do like dick the bruiser versus like giant baba in the 60s which i i love that match but like you will start a podcast thinking you're gonna do an episode on that look i the one that surprised me the most was when we did that 1960s andre the giant match or whatever decade it was Oh yeah, that like was in terrible shape and like he's like doing like all this like flippy shit. Yeah, I I, I if you'd been like, oh yeah, we're gonna do an Andre the Giant match from you know the '60s, I would have been like, what? But then you know, hey, we're we did an Andre the Giant match from the '60s, and uh, you know, we just keep finding stuff. So I mean, we haven't even like dug into like all japan in the 90s or like even really like scratch the surface of lucha or you know joshi I, or anything really uh honestly just just talking about all japan really from the 80s or 90s i mean 90s was like that's again knowledge may vary but that's like top tier in my opinion but 80s or 90s all Japan, there are matches that I've seen, like, I've not even seen the full matches. I've just seen clips on. And it's like, this is insane. Like, this this yeah. this match has to, like, just the clips, like, it has to be good. It, like, stuff from, like, Bruiser, Brody, Stan Hansen versus, like, random guys. And it's like, this just seems insane. And it's like, dudes, I, I think someone posted something. It was like a Terry Funk, Bruiser Brody tag team match. Uh, and they they're just beating the shit out of each other, and it's like this is insane. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, I'm and that's a, that's that's one thing, like from all Japan, like let alone a, much other things. Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest, there's stuff on my list that's been on there since the start of the podcast. We haven't even gotten to, or I haven't even like put on the schedule because I just haven't fit it in. Like, I still have like Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask as like one we need to do. You know, I have seen I haven't seen the matches, but I've seen highlights from them and they were really impressive. Um, when we get to all Japan, I'm going to be curious to see Kenta Kobashi stuff. You know, 
You mean Ken the... and Kabashi attacking Minoru Suzuki on a Well, that was a, a little different. Train. Yeah, on the bullet train. Because that that did not seem like a full bore Kenta Kabashi chop that he threw. But uh, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff. So Hey, hey we we'll haven't be... even we haven't even scratched the surface of WCW for being truthful. Yeah, there's there's a lot of look. We haven't even we've like kind of touched on like the Nitro era stuff, but we haven't gone like deep on it or I anything. Mean, so Matt just ha- I mean just to, just for like an off topic situation from like a couple days ago, Matt literally had his mind blown that he found a. <laughs> WCW match from 91 with Violent J jobbing to the Steiners. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I messaged everyone, uh, my co and my co my co counsels here uh, offline. Like, there was just a rant from, like, what's this? WCW Saturday night? It's a random match where it's like the Steiners brutalizing two jobbers. And one of the jobbers, jobbers was, um, what the hell was the guy's name? I don't I, I don't know what his like real name is, but it was Violent J of the ICP. Was he like Hector or something it, or other? No, it's like let me look it up. It let was probably real name is. Oh, uh, Joe Bruce. Okay. <laughs> it's like his name was Joe Bruce, and it's like he's just there, and he's like it's like they introduce the Steiners, then I, I don't know, probably it's like Gary Michael Capetta. It's like uh oh, you know jobber number one Joe Bruce, and then like they they do the whole like jobber like mm, I'm gonna raise my fist. I'm like oh announce my name, and then Steiner just brutalized them. <laughs> and it's like after the fact, I'm like oh my, I found out because the person uh, posting this clip, I'm like holy shit, this is actually like Violent J, uh, which is actually cool because it brings the whole like story that Terry Funk used to tell about how. Uh, ICP gave him like like a ridiculous amount of money. Four thousand dollars because I looked at it yeah. and he died. For like an indie like match. No, no. Uh, so what like happened a... what happened mm-hmm. is they they took footage and like dubbed like funny commentary over the ICW match with Cactus Jack and him. Mm-hmm. And he was mad at them about that because they didn't pay him, so they came over and they're like, Hey, we want to make this right for you and you know, they had dinner with him and stuff. And like, well, we're going to leave this money here with you and go. And so he's like, oh, that's cute. You know, they probably left me like 40 bucks. Like, at least I made the money back for the chili. And he lifts like this, like, ashtray up or something. And they left him like four grand. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and he was like, the funny part is because it's Terry Funk. He's like, yeah, it's like, I love the ICP. I have all their records and I'll probably listen to them someday. <laughs> So, there's all kinds of stuff for us to get through, and there was all kinds of stuff we got through tonight. Um, I don't think there's anything else we're getting through right now, is there, guys? No, we're going to do the 90th anniversary show, and we have access to it for CMLL. That's kind of the... Okay. And then there's some more Ray psychosis we can get into. Sure. But for now, uh, everybody... We would love to hear from you on social media. What do you think? What stuff we should get into? What would you like to hear out of us? And so um, with all of that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.